passion, Lord God, and her heart, Lord God, was after you. And Lord, we just thank you for the privilege, Lord God, of knowing her. And Lord, we know that we will see her again, Lord God, very soon. And Lord, we pray tonight for those that the, uh, the Newton family that, Lord, that are still grieving over the loss of Greg. I pray tonight, uh, Lord, that you would comfort them, Lord God, and Lord, speak words to them that, Lord, that will bring them assurance and hope and joy tonight. Lord, I pray tonight that you will, Lord, reach down and touch Mike McGee and Steve Comstock and Jerry, Lord God, and many others that are suffering in body, Lord God. Those that are suffering in this room tonight, Lord, we speak healing, Lord, upon them. We know that this natural realm that we live in must obey the Word of God. And Lord, we speak life into them. We speak, Lord, restoration into their bodies. Lord, pain to be removed, lungs to clear, and Lord, hope to be restored. And everybody and believes the Lord tonight said amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. Thank you. I want you to take your Bibles with me, if you will, and uh, we'll go over to Philippians, the second chapter, Philippians, the second chapter tonight, and then we're going to go over to John, John, the 13th chapter. As you're looking over there, let me give you a couple of quick announcements, and if you see me fidgeting around a little bit, it's because I'm a, uh, we've got a new microphone and we're trying this thing out, so um, Saturday, uh, in place of our normal prayer service we're going to be having men's prayer breakfast slash if you're available bring your shovel work day and uh, we're going to be doing a little bit of digging and so hopefully we'll get some young guys with shovels and the rest of us can stand around and lean on ours okay so uh, come on out and uh, we appreciate your help we got a couple of projects we're going to take care of and try to get out before it gets too hot uh, the ladies on the other hand will not be carrying shovels uh, they'll be carrying wheelbarrows uh, out of, of uh, their shopping adventure. Yeah. Just teasing you ladies. They're going to they're gonna take off and the details are there. Um, they were going to meet Friday night for prayer at 7. And then uh, Saturday they're going to leave about 9.45. And so ladies, uh, please make yourself aware of that. And then also Empty Nesters, the, the annual ice cream supper, homemade ice cream, uh, will be served. And that's going to be Saturday night. And that's going to be at 5 o'clock. So, um, once again, Darlene's service is going to be at Lynch Funeral Home. There will not be a meal. There will be visitation before uh, the service at 2. And the service itself will be at 3 o'clock. We'll announce again on Sunday. But before we do, um, I want to know, is there any, any superhero, and I say this with the utmost respect, any superhero nerds in the house tonight? Two or three of you? You'll just have to help the rest of us along. So uh, let's look up here, and uh, uh, if you guys have my slides up there, we're, we're talking about unsuspecting superpower, unsuspecting unsuspe superpower. Can you say that 10 times fast? Okay, just teasing, just teasing. Uh, but a superpower is defined as a power greater in scope or magnitude than that which is considered natural or has previously existed. Superpower is power great. This is the definition textbook. Power greater in scope or magnitude than that which is considered natural or has previously existed. And as we have been talking about the last uh, couple of times we were together, 
is that there is a superpower because there's a superhero living on the inside of you and his name is Jesus. But just for fun, let's look here. Uh, now, as these logos come up, you got to tell me what they represent. Come on. Avengers. Very good. All right. Let's look at the next one. Fantastic Four. Man, you guys are good. All right, let's keep going. Nope. There you go. I told Kenny he's going to get an extra star tonight. Captain Marvel. What's the next one? The Hulk. All right. And. <laughs> All right. Okay, that's, uh, uh, that's it on the superhero logos, but I thought that would be fun. Amen? Unsuspecting superpower. Can you remember the first uh, superpower we talked about? Selflessness. Selflessness. How many have gleaned from that? Just, just, a, just, a, general, uh, just a general poll tonight. How many, how many realize that, yes, there is a superpower inside? Because each one of these superheroes we talked about, they have a specific superpower. That's why we call them, and it's imagination, and we know those things. But we understand that there's a power that may not have existed before Christ was formed in our heart and brought us back to the image of the Father, brought us back to the image of the Father, so that now we understand that we are not living in this me identity anymore. We now have a we identity. If you will research, you ever chirped on a beard hair? Anyway. <laughs> if you've ever had a beard, you might have had that experience. But if you've ever stopped to realize as we look to the Word of God, what we see is that what did not exist before now exists in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. And so what we see and what we will discover is what I was going to, the point I was going to make is that every challenge that you will face, that I will face, every shortcoming that you will face and I will face, in fact, we can point it back to all of our anxiety, we can point it back to all of our fear and all of our frustration, is when we choose to walk in a me identity in a me identity where the weight of all of the every the world rests upon my shoulders because I'm carrying it all but that's not the way the Lord has designed us that's not his desire for us his desire is to bring us into a we identity where we are now in relationship with the father as I've told you, and I will repeat and continue to repeat and echo even what is being said in life class, and that is this. Jesus is not the example for us. He is the example of us. Amen? And when we begin to comprehend that, we will begin to operate in a, in a, in a knowledge, in a revelation that will transform. But we talked about, first off, the the selflessness being an unsuspecting superpower as we would begin to look outside of ourselves and not always into ourselves we will begin to discover that life will be so much more enjoyable but also that holds within that in that the power 
to overcome. Now, the other, do you recall the second one we talked about? The unsuspecting superpower. Humility. Humility is, I will define that, or it's been defined, and I'm just going to share it as it's mine. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Humility is not dependent upon your personality. Humility is simply understanding the source of your strength. It's simply knowing who supplies your needs. Humility is, is not necessarily a posture of your physical man, though your physical man may humble themselves in a, in a posture. It is the condition of your heart. So it, maybe you are a type A all-out-there individual, and that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're not a humble person if you, if you understand the source of your strength. Amen? But how many, as we look at all of these superheroes, unless we get into maybe some Christian uh, 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 superheroes, we're probably not going to see these attributes applied to those, to those imaginations of men. Because we don't think of hum humility being anything to desire. We don't think about selflessness anything to desire. Tonight I'm going to talk to you as we go to the Word of God and we continue in this, in this thought process. I want to talk to you about another unsuspecting superpower and that is servanthood. Servanthood. I believe the natural outflow of humility and selflessness will be servanthood. Now, I was struggling over whether to call this service or, or servant-hearted or servant-oriented, but then I, I found a definition that I liked that I think just summarizes what I'm trying to say. It's the condition of being a servant. That's what servanthood means. It means being a, the condition of being a servant. Now, I have been tested, you have been tested on the level of your servanthood. You know where that comes from? You know where you can know how much of a servant you are? It's when you're treated like one. I'm going to let that sink in a little bit there. But when we're treated like servants, what is our response? Now, I'm, I'm going to echo something from last week. We will only aspire to what we admire. We will only aspire to what we admire. And I believe if we admire Christ, we must admire selflessness. If we admire Christ, we must admire humility. If we admire Christ, we must, must, must admire servanthood. Now, Philippians is our text, and I, I'm just going to hit this briefly, then we're going to John. There. Let's start in verse 5 of the second chapter of, of Philippians. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it to be, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant coming to the likeness of men. So Jesus took upon himself the form of a bond servant. Now, as we look over in John 13, we see Jesus punctuating this to his disciples. We see here in John 13, because he did not want them to 
maybe sometimes they didn't hear the message. The greatest among you will be the servant. Oh, no, no, no. Mama, go talk to him and, and, and ask him if, if, if we, can, we can sit on your right hand and on your left. They, they weren't getting it. The Lord wanted to make sure not only they got it, but we get it. We're going to talk about the servanthood and the humility of Christ in just a moment. But we, we see here that as the Lord Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I've come to serve. And I need you to get this. I need you to know this. It's not just going to help your daily living. It's going to be the very the very thing that helps to fuel the kingdom of the gospel when you begin to bring the culture of the kingdom into the realm in which you are living how many know where where you go the kingdom of god goes if the king is living in your heart and when you go the the culture of the kingdom will begin to infiltrate It'll begin to move. It'll begin to overwhelm in the areas that you didn't know that was even possible. And I believe, folks, that the area of servanthood will cause the kingdom of God to begin to move an inch further, and you'll find fulfillment. Let's look here in John 13. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garment, took a towel, girded himself, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my, and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. Now, as you look here, the Word of God, what you find is that the disciples had gone through the ritualistic bathing, and now they were gathering for the Passover meal. And so they gather in the place that Jesus had told them to, and they appointed in the upper room. And we, I'm going to try not to get off on, on, on different trails, but I, there's just such revelation about the upper room. We'll get to that later. Probably not tonight, so don't wait in anticipation. But what we find is that they came in the house, and there was a basin and a towel sitting there, and it had some water in it. Now, Eastern culture says that the lowliest person in the house 
where the one would be the one who washed the feet. In fact, the Jews, they were so adamant about the foot washing and that even touching the master's feet was such a, a degradation of their station that they believe it was, should be a Gentile slave that took that job. But it was generally the, the youngest girl's job of the house to wash the feet of the disciples. So these guys come in, and they're getting ready for the Passover meal. And they just walk by, and there's the basin. Who's going to do it? I don't know. Get Peter to do it. He's the big mouth. He can wash our feet. Not me. I'm not doing it. He comes by. The next one walks by and says, yep, there's the basin. I'm just going to sit down with my dirty feet, and I'm going to get on about the meal. Nobody there to wash my feet. Next one passes by. I don't know. Let's have Judas do it. He ought to be the one doing it. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not washing nobody's feet. You know what? This, this happens in the church every time somebody sees a need, and they just say, well, somebody else will get to that. Ooh, I don't know where that came from. But anyway... <laughs> I'm going to go employ somebody to do this, to get that job done. If you see the need, chances are you are called to feel that need. But that's a message for another day. Or maybe th this is the day. But see, we keep walking by that basin. Walking by that basin. What are you basing your religion on? Is it the high seat of honor? Are you not hearing what the Lord said? Now see, the Lord is showing them an illustration, and each one of them pass by, each one of them go by, each one of them pass by the basin, and not a single one of them thought it was their job. Why? Because they have been culturally changed, traditionally trained, and then they, they traditionally trained, culturally trained, they, they, they thought, well, I have reached a pinnacle of success, and I no longer have to bend down. That's not my job. I'm not doing it. It's too low for me. But here, Jesus, on his night, that he would be arrested on the very eve of his crucifixion, the last hours that he was going to have with his disciples. They had walked together for three years. He's like, you guys, you must get this. You must understand. And so he gave one of the greatest object lessons of his ministry that was punctuated by the fact that he would die and rise again. He got up from the table. He got up from the table. He walked over, and the word of the Lord tells us. He rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and he proceeded to grab the towel, girded himself, and after that he poured water into the basin and began to wash their feet. I came to him and said, Jesus, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? I don't want you to wash my feet. I don't want you to, to stoop down to that place. What are you doing? And the Lord said, you're not going to understand it in this moment. But there will come a time where you will understand. You will know why I'm doing what I'm doing. 
And let me say to you, as I've looked at this passage of Scripture, even from the very beginning when God called me to ministry and I began to serve in the, in the role of, of a minister, a lay minister, I've always looked at this passage of Scripture as being a fundamental, foundational, not just a, a concept, a precept, but a very principle of ministry. That ministry is service. And that we are called to serve. We're called to give ourselves away, give Christ away, put ourselves in a place where we say, God, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to serve by the strength and the power. And I have had tasks along the way. Where my, my, my lower image, if you will, didn't want to necessarily take that role. But the Lord instructed me in the word to go back to this passage of scripture and to discover if it's not too good for Jesus it's certainly not too good for me and the more that we condition ourselves that way the more we will discover the power in the name in the calling in the purpose of Jesus Christ as we see here, he took off his robe was an illustration of the fact that he took off his deity when he came to this earth. When we talk about the humility of the Lord, it's not just washing the feet. It is the omniscient stepping down in humanity and pouring himself fully and immersing himself in a human form And the Bible says the omniscient, you understand, omniscient, all-knowing became the student because he learned by obedience by what he had suffered. The all-knowing set aside that to become human. He took off that privilege of being the deity, the Godhead. Am I preaching heresy? Absolutely not. Jesus Christ made of himself no reputation. In other words, he, he didn't cling to his rights as God, though that he was equal every bit and always and eternally will be God. He is God the Son. And then we have God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, three but one, so equally in union. They are separate, but they are all together one. And what we begin to understand is there is a relationship that's there. And he took off that omniscience. The Bible said that he grew, he increased in wisdom and knowledge and stature. The omniscient became the student. Then he, the omnipresent, everywhere at all times in every place, confined himself to a single vessel. We talk about the humility and the servanthood of the Lord. And to be, why did he do it? He took the position to be in the condition of a servant. 
The only way to restore them, Father, is for me to walk. And it wasn't an argument. It was an agreement. And the Godhead decided before time ever began that we will make man in our image. We will give them a choice, either life or death. But they will become human. It will depend upon what they choose, what path will be taken. But in order for them to be in relationship, there has to be a choice. Husbands, hear me. I haven't seen this movie, so I'm probably making a crude reference, and I don't mean to make a crude reference, and maybe I just won't take that. Let me just let me back off of that because I could see the darts and the arrows flying. If you want to, husbands, if you want to know what I'm going to talk about, you come see me after church. <laughs> well, let me tell you, you don't need, or nor would you ever be satisfied in a relationship where she was a robot or he was a robot, and you obeyed each other's commands all of the time. That is not. A relationship relationship has choice we are not animals we didn't come from the animal kingdom I know science will tell you that but we're not animals why because we've been made in the likeness of the image of God and we have a right to choose whether or not we will be in relationship with him but see the omniscient one became the student and the omnipresent one he stood and confined himself to a single body and the omnipotent one don't be mistaken he held the power but he held the power as the human but the all-powerful one who could have spoke who did speak and the worlds came into existence how do you know that because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God was God in the beginning was God all things were made by him. Without him, not anything was made that was made. God, the Word, the Son, was there before there was any written print. The Word existed. There were three that bore witness in heaven, and one of which is the Word. But what we see is that he did all of this. Powerful one. Laid it all down. The eternal put on this temporal walk upon the face of this earth for what reason? It's only one reason. It was for the love. The Bible tells us this, and I want you to hear this tonight. And if you're questioning the, uh, the love of God, you need to, I want to encourage you tonight to understand that God truly, genuinely, emphatically, radically loves you. Hebrews 12 and 2 says this, looking unto Jesus, the author who wrote your faith, Jesus, and the finisher. He not only wrote the faith, he finishes the faith. Faith clings to him who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God for joy. And you think about it for just a moment. Jesus Christ endured the cross. He esteemed the prize greater than the suffering. He valued with joy the reward 
as being greater than the suffering he would endure. Stripped him of his clothing. Laid across his back the cat of nine tails. Beat him. Plated upon his head a crown of thorns. Not just your rose thorns. Thorns. Inch, two inches wide. Just laid upon him. Spit upon him. The cross. Splintered back. Nailed him. Hung him there at Calvary. Endured six hours. Pulling himself up to gain every single breath. Oh, let me tell you. Jesus. Jesus. Gave it all. If you've seen Jesus. Hear me. You've seen the Father. But what would cause him to do such a thing? What joy are we talking about? That joy, brother, sister, is you. The joy, the prize, the reward was to bring us back into the image that we started with so that we may have fellowship and relationship with God the Son, God the Spirit, and God the Father. So that we, as Jesus, being the vicarious man, the one who lived, who was born a human, lived a human, died a human, but oh, we miss it when we miss the fact that he rose a human. And he did so now so that he can bring us back into fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And hear me tonight, you are the joy and the reason why God died to bring you into relationship with him. That doesn't sound to me like an angry God looking to stomp you out. He is a God who has given you choice so that you can come into relationship with him. Is hell real? It is more real than the pew you're sitting on tonight. Is heaven real? It is more real than the person sitting next to you. Because if you can see it, it is temporal. But we are going to step over. Darlene took her last breath on earth, but she took her first breath in heaven, Opal. And she is dancing around the throne of God. She is not hindered by this old flesh anymore. And when the church stops to realize, seeks the Father for the revelation, Understand that when Jesus did what he did, he did it in service to you. That makes me aware of people around me. 
Because if I'm aware, see, if I'm in the me mentality, I'm just interested in me. I'm interested in how the world affects me. People come with needs. I'm, I'm looking for what they're trying to take from me. Don't look innocent. You're right there with me. You're just wondering, well, can I trust that person? Is, is there something going on? What are they up to? I've had people, I promise you, come to this church, sit on the pew, get up after service and say, preacher, I'm watching you. I said, well, that's a real good thing because I'm watching you too. <laughs> what were they saying? I mean, they elaborated. They said, we're going to make sure you stay in line. I've been to other churches, and you hadn't, they, they hadn't been, I'm going to keep my eye on you. You know what went off in me? There was this, he couldn't see it, but there was this red siren. <laughs> alert, 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 alert. <clears throat> A man who doesn't know his image. Who's centered on self and me and mine and what I'm going to get and how people are going to affect me and whether or not I'm going to be able to make it and I'm carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders and all of my sin and all everything is sitting here. I don't want to live that way. I want to get on the other side, no offense, left side. I'm going to go over to the right side. I know you think you're living on the right because you're facing me, but I'm talking about my right. Leave me alone. You hear what I'm saying? But what happens when we come into the we identity? Wait a minute. The weight and the sins in the world is lifted off because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And wait a minute. I, I can do all things through Christ and strengthens me. And I can't do anything without him. And I, 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 I get into this relationship with the Father and I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. What do I do? I trust in the Lord with all my heart. Lean not into my own understanding, but in all of my ways acknowledge him and he will direct my path. Oh, what happens when anxiety comes on? Wait a minute. I'm not in the me identity. It's not just about me anymore. I'm going to get over here in the we identity. And in the we identity, be anxious for nothing. When he said be anxious for nothing, do you think he meant nothing? Be anxious for nothing. But in all things, through prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I think it's time, folks, we get into the we identity. But you're not going to get into the we identity if you're always trying to achieve identity. You don't achieve identity. You receive it. I'm going to have this ear that's going to go like this because I'm going to be squeezing on that thing. Sorry, folks, for the distraction. But Jesus did what he did because he conditioned himself. He humbled himself. He was selfless when he got here. He was selfless when he lived. And he was selfless when he left. He didn't come to a palace because he had a palace already. 
He didn't come build a home because he had a home already. He wasn't interested in gold because he's got streets paved with it. He's not interested in your wealth as much as he's interested in your spiritual health. Wealth's included in there, and we won't take time to talk about that. But folks, when we get to the place where we begin to allow the strength of God to strengthen us. I'm not talking about your strength. I'm talking about his strength. We're going to talk about strength more Sunday, so be here. When we understand who he is, and we recognize what's not him in us. I'm going to call that an image issue. When my image is of me, I got to get back to the image of we. Father, Son, Holy Spirit following after God. And understand this tonight, Jesus did not come to appease an angry father who was waiting to stomp you out. With Jesus at the right hand of the Father to make intercession, you and I, there's no conflict with the Father and the Son. There's no, Father, please hold back that wrath because I want to, don't stomp them out just yet. No, there is an agreement with the Father and the Son. And there is an intercession, mediation between the Son and us to show us the image and the heart of the Father. Amen. Is hell real? Yes. Is heaven real? Yes. Will there be wrath poured out? Yes. Upon the ungodly and those that will not turn to the Lord? Yes. Those days will appear and those days will happen. But I'm saying to you, it is not the will of God for us to continue in this false image, in these graven images that we conjure our own minds and we make up false truths about who God is when he is not in our imagination when our imagination is imagining something other than who he is he did not come in the beginning the Lord created the heavens and the earth and let me say to you God will show himself to those who will position themselves and say Lord I just want to know who you are who I am in you and where you want me to be and what service you want me to serve and the Lord gave him a name which is above every name that the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow and every tongue shall confess. There is coming a day. There is coming a day where you will see the complete fulfillment of that. Every single knee of every individual, past, present, and future, will kneel before the Lord. This world is in desperate need 
of the risen man. It's the only answer to the fallen man. You have been force-fed by circumstance, by situations, to say that you're worthless, your input doesn't matter, your contribution is not valued. But let me tell you, that's not what the Father says. And that's not what Jesus displayed. He loved you so much and wanted you to be free and sought the prize of your freedom and your image being restored to what it should have been. That he said, I'm going to suffer all of that. And my motivation is going to be to rescue my image in you. Logic, come help me. Sandra, worship team, come help me. Stand, stand if you will. Stand if you will. Oh, Father, I pray. I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus. You got three more minutes. There's some good stuff here. I, I, I'll just carry it over next week. You might get it Sunday. It's not the final pickings. It's a big chunk of meat that I left on the bones. No. Maybe. Okay, let's get a bite. Yeah. It's kind of like walking into Walmart and smelling those, you smell those pretzels at the front door. Jesus said, you're not going to understand this now. There's coming a day where you're going to understand it. As I've washed your feet, you're going to wash each other's feet. You're going to, in other words, you're going to serve. You're going to give your life up so that others may know. But it's amazing to me that he washed their feet. He washed their feet. He poured out his blood on Calvary to cleanse our feet. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy. And nothing by any means shall hurt you. Oh, he said, fear not for I will redeem you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. So when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Nor shall the flames scorch you. Finally, Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Hear me tonight. God poured and he washed the feet, just like he cleanses the feet of the church to give you the authority to walk 
image of the Son and be in relationship with the Father. Do you get it? Do you hear it? I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through. But right now, come. Come. Say, Lord, restore the image. Restore the image. Restore the image, thank you guys. Restore the image, Lord. Restore the image, Lord God, tonight. Lord, I pray by the authority of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, as we step out. Lord, I believe tonight, Lord God, that we're not going to, Lord, allow the serpents to continue to walk on us. Lord God, we're going to take our rightful authority and we're going to begin to walk on them. Lord God, we're not going to allow and continue to allow the enemy, Lord God, Lord, to rest upon our shoulders, Lord God. We're going to walk with the authority of Jesus Christ. That, Lord Jesus, we right now, Father God, right now, Lord God, we will pray, Father, for the image of the Lord. Come on, folks, come help me pray tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus. You're tired of that self-hatred, it's time to let it go. You're tired of that insecurity, it's time to let it go. You're tired of that carrying the weight and the burdens on your shoulder all by yourself, it's time to let it go tonight. Come on now, come on now. Step out and begin to believe. Step out and begin to receive. Step out and begin to know that God is in control. I want you to listen here. I want you to listen. Pastor Mike has said a whole lot tonight. And somebody is really trying to listen. But God's laid on my heart that you feel like you're still running. You're running so hard from God. And you want to stop. And you're saying, How? You just stop. Satan is telling you lies, and Jesus is trying to tell you the truth. Satan is pulling you, saying you're okay, and God is saying, give it to me. Satan is telling you tomorrow, tomorrow will be okay. And Jesus says, right now, We'll be okay. Stop running. I've been there. I know how hard it is. You feel the pull, you feel the push. But I'm telling you, just give it up. Give it to God. Tell him, I'm tired. Just talk to him. I'm tired. I'm giving this up right now. I cannot take it any longer. And God says, thank you. I will take it from you. I will heal your heart. I will give you love. I will give you joy. I will give you truth. Give it to me. Stop running. Give it to me. The worship team is going to start playing right now. If that word is for you, step out. Come on. Come on. Today's the day. Tonight's the night. Elijah, you guys will lead us.
to the Lord tonight. Father, we glorify your name. And Lord, we pray tonight as a corporate body of believers, Lord. Father, as a corporate body of believers, Lord, we pray tonight. Father, we pray for your image, Lord God, to be revealed in each and every heart, each and every home. Lord, I pray that the brokenness, Lord, will be mended, Lord God. I pray, Father God, that, Lord, every distraction of the enemy, Lord God, that seeks to thwart, streets to, seeks to destroy, Lord God, whether it be sickness, Lord God, or whether it be hurt, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will bring healing, Lord. 
Father, we love you and we need you, Lord. Mend the hearts of the family. Mend the hearts of the home. Lord, let the husbands, Lord, fall madly in love with their wives again. Wives fall madly in love with their husbands again. Lord, I pray, Father God, that children, Lord God, Lord, would just feel the joy and the safety and the peace in their home. I pray, Father, tonight, Lord God, for those that, Lord, are struggling, Lord, that are listening, Lord God, to that lie. And that lie, Lord, that you would pull back the cover and say, that's not who I've called you to be. That is not of me. That is a lie from the enemy. In the name of Jesus, I pray that that lie would be removed. I pray, Father, for those that are here tonight that are grieving in their heart. Lord, that they would feel the sense of joy and hope overwhelm them tonight. In Jesus, Jesus, holy name. Lord, we thank you. We magnify and we praise you. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord praise tonight. Give the Lord praise tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Michael, would you bring that slide up for me? We, uh, each week we've been taking up missions offerings on Wednesday night. You kind of spurred this and it just, just continues to flourish and flourish. The last missions offering we took up, well, actually it was Sunday for a teen adult challenge. Uh, we took up over $1,100 to bless them. Yeah. The last time we took up our Wednesday night offering, we did so to build water wells in Africa. And we were able, with what the youth had in their fund and what we did here and what the board agreed upon, we were able to send $3,500 to build water wells. Now tonight, I don't know if you're aware of this, but we have several um, children's homes. I believe there's four total, if I could be mistaken. But we have a Assembly God children's home in uh, Pleasant Hills Children's Home. And they are looking uh, to outfit the kids for school. And so any donation will, will help, but one kid to get everything they need for school supplies and for clothing and such. Uh, I don't know why, but the girls are a little bit more expensive than the boys. Uh, $570 will outfit a, a girl and $500 will outfit a boy for the, for the entire year. In the Pleasant Home Children's Homes, they take in neglected or homeless children. Uh, if there is a family situation or a crisis, uh, if there's a trauma, uh, something that happens of that nature, you can find them online. But, but we support them monthly, but tonight, whatever's taken in, we're going to give towards Pleasant Hills Children's Home. But with that said, would you lift your hands and we're going to pray over our children starting a new school year. But we're going to pray that um, these children here will be blessed and every need will be met. But also pray for our children uh, in our community. Father, we come before you, Lord, and we know, Lord Jesus, that the children are, Lord, close to your heart. And Lord, we pray tonight. Lord, these children, Lord God, that, are, that have faced a circumstance that was not their fault and that, Lord God, was not of their choosing, Lord. 
I pray that they would be the Pleasant Hills children home children Lord God would be so overwhelmed with the presence and the power and the person of Jesus Christ that Lord they will never feel lack but they will always feel the abundance of the of the hope that they have in you and Lord I pray that you will bless Lord God that every single child there will have all their needs met in order Lord God for them to start school and Lord I pray for our kids in our community Lord as they start back in school and then and, and Lord this bizarre time that we are in I'm asking Lord that you will protect them that you will raise up Lord God a generation Lord God of, of fire field Lord kids that are going to the campus in the community Lord and, and just Lord set a blaze Lord God that will get sick and tired of being sick and tired and seeing Lord God what's going on around and seek you with all of their heart we pray that you will release a revival Lord God Lord in unprecedented measures Lord among our youth and we ask these things in your name now bless the gift and the giver Lord we thank you tonight Lord and whatever is given I pray that you'll exponentially increase those who give tonight and we give you the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus name everybody said amen amen how many men are bringing their shovels Saturday all right we got three or four the rest of you come eat we'll watch them dig okay God bless you God bless you you're dismissed tonight